today on Growth Mindset University. So your posts are, are surely an injection of sanity, right? Um, pe- and people need this, right? I need this. We all do at times, right? Because we just get into the, the mess of everything. You're listening to Growth Mindset University, educating tomorrow's leaders with lessons from today's entrepreneurial elite. It's a progressive new age of business we find ourselves in, and we'll help you find the success you seek by listening to today's industry professionals and thought leaders teach us the lessons we should have learned in school but didn't. Now, please welcome your host, Jordan Paris. Today on Growth Mindset University, I have a wonderful episode for you. It is essentially a LinkedIn masterclass with a gentleman named Andreas Janssen. Andreas went straight out of university full-time into entrepreneurship, eventually pivoting to a tech startup as the CEO and co-founder of Shield Intelligence, the first and only LinkedIn analytics platform used by brands, agencies, and content creators like myself around the world. And I tell you, Andreas has some of the best posts out there on LinkedIn. I continually learn more about LinkedIn and the platform and what works and what doesn't through his posts on LinkedIn. So I definitely recommend that you follow him on LinkedIn and get connected with him there. You can also visit Shield Intelligence at shieldapp.ai instead of .com. It's .ai, shieldapp.ai. And today, Andreas and I discuss what types of content work the best on LinkedIn, when the best time to post is, is every day too much? What about pods, the purpose of posting on LinkedIn? What is the, what is the purpose of all this content creation on social media that people are talking about and hyping up nowadays? I mean, what's the, what's the point of it? It's not likes and comments and vanity metrics. We talk about that. We also discuss the power of your team members using LinkedIn and how you can incentivize them to do so as an entrepreneur. And we wrap up with the golden rules of LinkedIn and pitching. I know that you're going to enjoy my conversation with Andreas Janssen today, the LinkedIn Masterclass. And if you do enjoy it, let me know on LinkedIn. I'm easy to get in touch with there. Jordan Paris, of course. Uh, also on Instagram. Let me know what you thought of this episode. Take a screenshot of it, share it on your Instagram story if you really think that this, or wait, better yet, <laughs> LinkedIn stories just came out. So share it on your LinkedIn story and tag me and Andreas. That'll be really cool to see. But if you'd rather share privately with your friends and family, that's cool too. You can send them the link, jordanparis.com slash EP206 to share with your friends and family. That's jordanparis.com slash EP206. Anyhow, now without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Andreas Janssen. Andreas Janssen is with me today. He is the co-founder uh, a co-founder or just founder? Co-founder. Co-founder of a piece of software that I use. If you're on LinkedIn, you've probably heard of it. It is called Shield. Shieldapp.ai is the website instead of .com. It's .ai. Shieldapp.ai. And what it does is shows you all of your LinkedIn analytics. It is probably like the only and the best LinkedIn analytics platform. And even if there were to be another one created, it, 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 I just don't see how it could be better than what Shield has right now. And uh, it's just a really cool platform. I can see things like views, likes, comments, shares, uh, you know, year to date, month to month, uh, in the last four weeks, in the last week, and compare it to the week before or the year before. And my engagement rate, like the percentage and how many posts I made this year versus last year or this week versus last week, my followers over time. So actually with your platform, I've been able to do some extra math, like seeing, cause there's a chart, a graph of the followers. Like I had this many on this date 
And so I figured out that from some point, I think it's like the last four or five months, I gain I gain 44 or like 45 followers per day, which which is kind of actually down from, I remember when I had 16,388, it was December of 2018. <laughs> and now I have like 46 something from that, from then to now, it's like fit. That's like 50.4 followers today. I figured out. So I'm like, it's, it, there's a, the velocity is a little bit slower, but it's still good. And, uh, but man, I, I'm just excited to have Andreas on today. Again, shieldapp.ai. And I'm honored by what you said before we just started recording about <laughs> what my posts recording. are. Can you, can you say it again the way you said it? What are my posts like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But definitely, uh, John. But thanks for having me. So, so your posts are, are surely an injection of sanity, right? Um, pe- and people need this, right? I need this. We all do at times, right? Because we just get into the to to the mess of everything uh, when when time flies by, and uh, and sometimes we have to stop and reflect. And I think your content is contributing to that, and I think that's super healthy, and uh, I love that. Well, I feel the same way about yours. I'll, I'll kick it off with a post of yours and read mm-hmm. it the beauty of linkedin in a nutshell if you do it right you can get on anyone's radar like there are no barriers no gatekeepers think about that mm-hmm. and i've seen it I, mm-hmm. I i'm constantly amazed andreas who's watching you never you know you never know who's watching i was featured on an entrepreneur.com podcast because this guy on linkedin reached out to me He's like, hey, would love to have you on my podcast. And I see it's an entrepreneur.com podcast. Yes. And I'm I'm like, wow, I didn't even know you were following me, didn't know you were out there, didn't know you were watching, seeing my stuff, even caring. And I've seen it time and again that you never know who's watching. And uh, so the caveat there is if you do it right. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk today about doing LinkedIn Right. I've got a lot of questions. Uh, people ask me on other podcasts, all like, like, what are the, what are the things on, on LinkedIn? Like, what are three secrets? You know, like, what are you, three things you're doing? And I'm just like, I don't know, man. I'm just like doing my best and and putting trying to put good content out there. But I have rather than general questions for Andreas, that I have like specific questions that are going to be easier to answer. But before that, mm-hmm. uh, I got to ask, how old are you? I'm 32. I'm 32. Okay, and I got the impression that you were much younger for some reason, and that my you photo, ju- my photo is from a couple of years ago. Right, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's why. Well, you, you you look stellar now too. You got a cool cool haircut, Thanks, man. man. I, I like it, but uh, and and the glass is really stylish. And so I thought you just got out of college, but mm-hmm. I guess not. No, it's uh, it's like four years ago or so. I wasn't oh, okay. the fastest. So, so uh, the way it is here um, in Denmark is that you usually graduate around your mid twenties if you go like straight through everything that they want you to go through. And I was slightly slower than that. So uh, I was twenty seven, I believe, when I graduated, which is yeah, five years ago. And you did you not? Did you ever have a normal job, or did you just go right to? shield i never really had a nine to five i knew that i wasn't made for that um and we can get back to that i had student jobs so that was nine to five two days a week and i think that was plenty of nine to five to me so i quickly realized that doing my own thing building my own stuff experimenting trying that uh trying to put something into the world and and change habits and and the lives of people for the better was my thing. So uh so I went straight out of uh of university, had a couple of months uh you know collecting my thoughts and then jumping straight into uh like agency life. My my co-founder Alexander from Shield and I started the, an agency uh the first thing, first business out of, uh, what, out of school. So it but it wasn't Shield. I was just looking it wasn't on Shield. Y- I, what's it called? I was just on the website. I swear. Yeah, Agile Squad. Yes. So yes. So the the it started just like Shield as a working title with that name, and the idea was that we believed we had some uh, some skills and some uh, some competences and capacity to help people, and we had this idea that we could uh, sort of come in as a uh, squad uh, SWAT team. Uh, 
you know, go down in the epicenter of a company and do a thing, agile methodology, help people out and then get back up in the chopper and, and fly away again. <laughs> that, that was sort of how we envisioned our company at the time. And we, we did in fact do that, not so much uh, helicopters involved, but we did uh, come in and, and help people uh, building their uh, ideas and challenging them on that. So it started there and, uh, and Shield came then as a, you could say, side effect of, of working with customers, with clients there, and then you sort, sort of going that way. Yeah, that's a good question. So we were perceived as the, the tech guys, right? So we had, you know, this, uh, this product service knowledge, we had some engineering skills and, and we could put things together and, and see if they could fly. And so there was this domestic uh, organization company here that is uh, not your regular uh, LinkedIn, um, you know, company. They're not active there. They they didn't do anything there, um, but they asked us if we could, you know, aggregate LinkedIn data. And at the time, we didn't know why that was even a need or something anyone would want. We weren't active ourselves. Yeah, what year was that? Benefits. 16 uh, or something? Uh, 17, so in, in yeah. 17. Um, somewhere That's when in 17. LinkedIn, I think, really started to get a second um, wind. Yes, exactly. And I think that was maybe something they picked up on, but we hadn't yet. And they uh, they talked to us about it and and asked if we could uh, could look into it because we were the tech guys. So we started looking into it and started asking ourselves all the, all these questions from a beginner's mindset, like why would they want that? Why LinkedIn? Why now? Uh, is there something to be done here that we can do at scale, bring business into it, and you know build a product that could serve a market? And we started looking into things and we spent a lot of time doing that while we were still consultants on the side doing the, our thing in Agile Squad. And then we just saw the light, I would say, not you know overnight, but over time, that there was indeed a market here. There was a gap to be filled. There were no analytics. And we saw all kinds of different use cases from solo creators to agencies to big corporations doing all sorts of initiatives on LinkedIn or utilizing LinkedIn. And we just figured that, man, we got to go with this. We got to build a product. We got to serve a market. We got to figure out who's interested. And then we just started doing that. And then over time, we transitioned from the agency into a product uh, tech startup, um, which we're now doing uh, full-time with employees and so forth. How'd you code the, the thing? I mean, did you code it? Did you hire an agency? Because that's like the big hurdle with starting these types of things. 100%. So you could say that I was fortunate to know my co-founder, yes. Alexander, who's the Very technical fortunate. co-founder. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and the combination of our skills uh, around product and service design, what it is we're going to build and why, that's sort of my contribution. And his contribution is being ac actually being able to build it. And combining those two things, uh, sort of made the ball rolling. And uh, from there, it basically just accelerated uh, to where we are today. So, so of course, it's super difficult to start a tech startup, which we also knew um, back then. And it's not something you just do overnight. It's something that you spend a lot of time on. And we, mind you, we failed a lot in the beginning because we were trying to figure out how we could get data, how we could get data in real time and accurately enough, store it, retrieve it, bring it up to a user interface and make something meaningful out of it. So, you know, there's a lot of tinkering in the, in the, in the early days where everything can fall apart at one moment and, and the next you break through a plateau and then you can go on, right? It's got to be scary because LinkedIn could change the, I don't even know, I mean, what it, the API or, or the, 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 their policies at any time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And be like, I mean, this is not allowed. Yeah. So, so the way we do it is, is sort of different, right? So right now they have, uh, you know, their API, which is, uh, to some extent open, but mostly closed around most data. But what we do is, is kind of different, right? So we use technology in new ways in order to be able to get this data if our users give us active consent. So for as long as you say, hey man, it's okay that Shield process my data, then you should be able to do that based on GDPR and all the new data legislation that's going on. Um, but all the big companies, the big tech companies of the world, they do not seamlessly allow their users to work with their data or port it elsewhere. 
So what we've built is a mechanism in order to port that data. And then we've built an interface, which is Shield as you know it, where this data is then being shown to you in a way that, that adds value. Um, so even though that LinkedIn may change some policies around this, that itself won't affect us. If they change what, you know, what kind of data is shown on the LinkedIn platform or the way it is shown on the platform, that wouldn't change uh, anything either. So it's it's a bit uh, different than, than most um, in third-party realms. Andreas, have we seen, I, I'd say that 2019 was probably the real peak of LinkedIn, in my opinion. I mean, I was, you have data on me that says otherwise, that proves otherwise, but I really <laughs> thought that LinkedIn organic reach was in decline. But it turns out, even for me personally, that's not even close to the case. I mean, is is LinkedIn reach in decline, uh, organic reach on video, text, whatever? No, Are you seeing that in the data? No, 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 no. I think what we're seeing sometimes is, um, you know, a temporary decline or a trend that's showing uh, something's uh, changing. But that has more to do with LinkedIn rolling out new stuff or testing things in a certain region or something like that. Mm. I think the, the organic reach is, is up and uh, is up across the board, across content types. If you stick to some of the, the, the known truths about LinkedIn, like do not link away from the platform and, and stuff like that. But if you stick to sort of uh, adding value, keeping people on LinkedIn, uh, starting conversations, if that's sort of your focus, then you you're going to do really well with your content. And and that's also what you're seeing, I would say. Speaking of uh, LinkedIn testing things, I mean, how cool would LinkedIn stories be? Have you, we haven't seen that in America. Have you seen that in your region yet? Any no, testing no. of that? No. I'm excited I for it. Yeah, me too. Me too, man. Uh, I could imagine uh, that you would be able to put out a lot of great content. Oh, it would uh, be, like it all would the change time. the game for me. Yes, yes. I mean, same here. I hear from people in Australia who's uh, who's had their hands on it. Apparently, that mm. that it's changing up the dynamics because people are showing these uh, like behind the scenes, right. um, sitting at the office with the phone instead Imperfect. of a good camera like this. Exactly. And we've gotten sort of used to that on Snapchat, but that's not public, right? So it's sort of at this strange dynamic to LinkedIn because it's professional and all, but at the same time, we like the authenticity and the trust and everything like that. So I think if used the right way and whatever that is, if used the right way, then I think it can add, you know, tremendous value to those who embrace it. Yeah. Uh, before we get more into the what to do, you mentioned a what not to do in do not link away from the platform. Mm -hmm. I, for example, will use, like when I reference a podcast in, mm -hmm. like I did a couple hours ago uh, in promoting a podcast, I will do Jordan Paris space dot space com slash EP 200 or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So as to not hyperlink it. And I don't think that it decreases my reach in that way. So I, 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 or, and not, or, but, and I will put it in, in the comments. So that's yes. a good way to get around that. What other things do you come to mind, if any, of what to really stay away from? On yes. So, so the, the one we just talked about is a, an obvious one, like don't link away. Right. And another one is be careful with tagging too many people. We see it all the so time. So spammy. Pe pe Ugh. People just tag a lot of people. And I get tagged a lot in, in, in comment, first comment, like come view this or in the post, stuff like that. And you know, at first it's flattering. Someone tagged me, they thought of me, wow. But you know, at some point when you get tagged a lot, it becomes spam. Needy. And yeah, exactly. And and what people do then, like myself, and I could imagine uh, you would do this sometimes perhaps as well, is go in and remove the tag and perhaps even block the person if they yeah. keep doing it, <laughs> you know? And that is going to flag that profile. LinkedIn system picks it up. And if you continue to get those reports that you don't know you're getting, then at some point your profile is in bad standing. I don't know how that affects anything on the platform, but I could imagine that you get punished somehow mm -hmm. through your content, through your reach, whatever it is, um, sort of to, to correct your behavior around this. Yeah. Um, it's an, so yeah. When users take a negative behavior, I think Facebook has something like that, or if they, mm -hmm. if they, 
um, click a certain, maybe if they click the three dots so as to, you know, maybe report it like that, even just clicking the three dots is a negative action that Facebook picks up on and, yes. and collects data on. Uh, maybe it's three dots, maybe it's not, but, uh, yeah, I, I totally see, I didn't understand like why tags would be bad other than just the obvious, like it's really annoying and, even transactional, but now I, I understand it when you say it like that. What about, let's start with this in terms of what to do. Uh, how often should you post? Oh, it's a good question, Jordan. It's a good question. So you had a really good post I, about this. I already, <laughs> I, I already half know the answer to this one. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so my answer is always, and that sounds super biased, but I would always check my data. And I would mm -hmm. always suggest someone to check their data because, okay, let's make a parallel. Okay. So let's say you, you want to run a marathon, right? You have some goal in mind and you go and uh, take a run three times a week. Right. And then you ask uh, your network or you ask a network of personal trainers or something like that. How often should I run at what speed should I run? How fast should I run to optimize my training? You know, and they can say like, give you generic answers. Like, okay, if you run three times a week, do a two 5k and a 10k, and then you're going to get there eventually, you know, you could do that. But the real answer would be like, what is your data? Uh, what does that show? Uh, how, how good are you now? What level are you at? How does your pace look when you run at a, um, at a different time or whatever it is, right? And based on what the data shows, shows, you would actually be able to say which with, uh, frequency should you post on LinkedIn? How often should you run? How fast should you run? What, the, what content types, uh, does your audience, uh, prefer and so forth? So it's always going to come down to, to what the data shows. Right. What about, um, well, what I, what I had seen in your post, uh, is like, I mean, what are you, what are you looking for in the data? And I think that you highlighted this pretty well, that when the velocity of views, likes, etc., starts mm -hmm. slowing down, mm -hmm. then that's the time to maybe consider putting out another post. But if yes. you're putting out a post at 9 a.m., and mm. at 11 a.m., it's it's really still picking up traction uh, quite heavily, uh, quite quickly. Then you really shouldn't post again because if you do, you're going to mm. be competing with the other posts. And it's, you're going to halt. You're going to slow down the traction, uh, the the velocity of the other posts. Is that correct? That is the idea. Correct. Yeah. So the way I see it is, you post. And then your post starts to pick up uh, momentum. You get engagement, it gets views, it gets distributed further on the LinkedIn network. And at some point your post dies out and it's not in the feed anymore. And that is exactly the time where you need to post or actually before it act, uh, it dies completely, right? Um, and as, as you say, if you post too frequently, you're going to compete with your own content um, for, for, the, for the attention in the feed. And why would you want to compete with yourself when you can find your ideal frequency and then post at that at that frequency yeah. and get uh, optimal results? So that's Speaking what I of suggest. Competing with yourself, somebody was trying to tell me that, and I don't, I, I, he made good sense, and I kind of half believe him. It was that when you, when I, Jordan, am liking and commenting on other posts, that in and of itself is is competing with my own post in the feed. I, I mean, do you know anything about that? Uh, we haven't looked into that specifically, so it's a hypothesis uh, yeah, for the time being. But um, but I would say that you know when you like and comment on other people's stuff, it also gets brought to your network that Jordan uh, liked yes. this post. Exactly. So I imagine if there's some truth to that, because if it's showing that instead of your post then of course you're competing with your own content. Um, so we would have to set up an experiment to figure that out. But yeah. uh, I I don't think that they are competing. Uh, that's my gut around it. And that's because of the type it is, right? So one is a post type, original content posted on the LinkedIn platform. And the other is an engagement type 
uh, of, of data, right? So that's different. And I don't think those two compete. I think posts compete with posts yeah. and then they put in the paid ones in between the, the organic ones. Mm. Um, and, and this one is an outlier. Yeah, anecdotally, I mean, I tried it for a few days where mm-hmm. I did not, when I would post, I like the whole day I just did before and after, I did mm-hmm. not like, did not comment on anything. And yeah. I just didn't see... Just didn't see a big difference, if anything at all. I was like, ah, oh, it's kind of what I would have gotten anyway. So just kind of trash it. But okay, w- what types of content, Andreas, work best? I see that you only do text, text. posts. Yes, yes. So uh, for the for the content that does best, like objectively, it's it's uh, text posts. They uh, they get the most reach, and then you have um, video. They, and, now here's the thing: Do yeah. they get the most reach? I challenge you on this because my theory mm-hmm. is that you know it says oh twenty two thousand views mm-hmm. on a text post, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On a video, it'll say two thousand views, whatever. Yes. Again, throwing out numbers. Yes. But a video view is like three second three seconds viewing the video i think yeah. that views on a text post are just like scrolling by i think the views on text posts are actually impressions yes uh, and i believe you're right and uh so what i was uh trying to get at here is the yeah. average uh the average views um on a large sample size shows that um that you get these kind of uh, rankings on the content types but that does not mean necessarily that getting a lot of views on your text post is what you would try to achieve because as you say video uh is is a total different beast right and not only is it uh is it tracked differently but it also conveys a you know trust and authenticity in a completely different way to your audience so there's more to it than what content type uh, is the best, like objectively yeah. looking at the numbers. But, but you know, text is easy to produce and the LinkedIn feed somehow, you know, likes text uh, posts and they're easy to, to, you know, both produce and consume. So that's why yeah. I guess they're just distributed. Personally, like so. I actually don't watch any videos on LinkedIn or at the very least I don't turn on the sounds. Mm-hmm. People put out these polls every now and then. You may have even done maybe it was you but what content do you consume the most on linkedin or something like that and and people say text posts uh people like to consume that way more than they like to consume video but i think that video is really important uh in 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 trust and putting yourself out there i know when i do video when my face Mm -hmm. is on camera not because i'm like so sexy or anything but just because putting myself out there and being a little bit more vulnerable, I think. And like, it's actually me. Mm-hmm. I get, I see my profile views go way up. Yes. You know, why don't you do video address? Yeah, out. it's a, it, it's a good question. So th- the answer is, is very simple. It's uh it's the time it takes to produce a text post and get it out there and get the number of views and engagement I get doing that um, versus doing video. Of course I could uh, do, you know, the iPhone selfie video style, but I feel like recording and doing that is calling for some post-production anyway. And I have apps on my phone that can do that. So I know myself well enough that I'm going to go in and edit. And then all of a sudden it becomes a time, time consuming thing which is why I'm super excited about stories because they're not gonna, you know, rest in the feed forever. They're gonna be there for a certain amount of time and then they're gonna go away. So that is is way more suited to to the way that I produce content and the way I enjoy producing yeah. content. So I'm gonna look forward to that. I think it's gonna make it not only easier, but also, you know, feel more natural to me to, to, to put out video content because I know the value of doing so. Even post feed, uh like regular posts though, they don't stay forever. And I wonder, Andreas, if I'm posting for nothing because it's, I saw, I was on a profile yesterday and, and you know, this person didn't really have activity. So the activity section said, this person's activity from the last 90 days will appear here. And I was like, whoa, 90 days? You telling me posts go away after 90 days? I don't think they do because I have posts from a year ago that like I can still see, but year and a half, you're not going to mm-hmm. find it. No, it's, no. It, so that's I- scary. I think I like 
whenever I think of something like, oh, I post that, I want to find it. I'm like, oh my God, I pray that this is one of the few things that I mm-hmm. repurposed on my blog. Yes. Because that's the only and, way you're ever going to see it again. <laughs> absolutely. And and I think that's what you're supposed to do, right? Mm. Repurpose and, and use LinkedIn and the feed and the engagement there to figure out what your audience is truly in, interested in, right? And and the step before that would be comments, right? Where you can float your ideas in a comment and see how that is, yeah. is perceived and received before you take it to a post. So I would always, you know, look at it that way. The feed and your content on LinkedIn is not an archive for you uh, in the sense uh, of your your blog or your podcast, right? But it's a it's or even like Instagram. That's a lot better Instagram. than archive. Instagram, yeah, yeah, absolutely, it's way better. Um, but the LinkedIn podcasts feed, aren't great. It goes away to three hundred. It does. I didn't know that. On Apple, it'll start okay. archiving. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But you have it at least uh, since you produced it, of course. But uh, but no, unless you feature content on your LinkedIn profile, like feature a post, it's it's gone pretty quick, right? My my post dies within two to three days usually. So after that, no one's going to see it or engage with it ever. Mm-hmm. But now I started featuring the some of my posts on my profile on LinkedIn, and those posts they keep gaining traction over time. And I mean, even doubling the engagement over the course of a couple of weeks, uh, just by being featured. And in that sense, you can actually have your most valuable pieces uh, featured and you can keep them around um, for other people and more people to engage and see the value of it. So in that sense, you can you can work a bit around the, the, the fact that posts are, you know, gone when they're out of the feed. Yeah, yeah, I, I love the featured content that they introduced um not too long ago i want to get into a little bit of how you i mean because you don't miss man i i think i haven't told you like you you don't and i told you in a comment maybe a while ago mm-hmm. but yeah, you, you don't miss with your posts you you're you're very good like every post that comes out i'm like yes 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 and <laughs> so how i want to get into how you're determining what to post i know that you mentioned in a you know if a comment get some good traction mm-hmm. comment on another post, get some good traction. Then, then you'll use that. I've seen the same thing. Like if I get 30, 40 likes on a comment, I'm like, yeah, I should post that. And I've done that. I will also use Twitter because I only have 415 followers there as of now. So mm-hmm. I know when something gets 10 or 25 likes and like five retweets, I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, that'll do really well on LinkedIn. If something gets yes. five likes, uh, that, that won't do that well on LinkedIn. So I use, I experiment like that too. How are you determining what to post and uh, how are you coming up with this stuff? And mm-hmm. yeah. So I'm, I'm doing a bit like you. So I'm experimenting a lot. I'm, I'm using comments for that and uh, I'm using my, my content, my posts for that as well. So I'm actually just practicing in the feed, right? So there's a balance always, right? There are topics that I'm passionate about. Uh, some of these things revolve around mindset, mental health, entrepreneurship and, and all of that. But I also realized that my audience in terms of a business setting uh, is maybe not, you know, following me for that reason. So I need to, to balance it out. Um, so I do me, uh, some of the time and I just, you know, draft notes on my, uh, my iPhone notes app and polish them a bit, you know, change a couple of words, try to reduce the amount of text I write. And then I post it and see, see how it goes. Nice. And then the more, uh, you know, thought out, uh, posts around data and LinkedIn, uh, I consult our data set. I talk to, uh, the team here and everything like that, try to see how can we add value and strengthen our presence as someone who knows something about LinkedIn, not because of opinions, but because of data, right? So I try to balance these things and then I just shoot, you know? Sure. If people if people don't like what, what we post, they're just gonna scroll past it and it's gone soon anyway. So, so you know, nothing's gonna happen if, yeah, not- if nothing's gonna happen, right? So yeah. that's how it is. I, I should have gone over this in the beginning of the podcast, but before, so we, before we go any further, we should go over this. What is the, uh, you have a whole data analytics company with shield shield app.ai and you're posting a lot i'm posting a lot Mm -hmm. and we're talking about engagement and likes and comments and stuff and views what is the point of all this what is the purpose of posting what is the point of this engagement 
for me, when I started posting, just to re- rewind a bit, when I started posting, uh, I, I learned uh, firsthand that being seen by someone creates opportunities, right? So I started leaning into that. I started posting more and it was, you know, all sorts of things, right? And that just made people uh, hit me up in the DMs and connection requests came in of people who wanted to do business or join a company and stuff like that. And I was like, wow, this is crazy, right? Where does that come from? I'm doing nothing but speaking my mind here. And, and you know, then I started leaning into that, started narrowing down on some key topics and all of that uh, because I saw the impact on business. And I think that's the reason why a lot of people do it. But not only business in that sense, but also your your own development, right? You meet new people, you get challenged on your views, you yes. you argue around ideas and you you know you you create new knowledge while interacting with people. And I think that's super interesting. So there's both the business aspect, the professional and personal development going on all at the same time. Well said. And I don't see anywhere I don't see anywhere else on the internet you get that right now. So I'm, I'm not Instagram about that. <laughs> not Instagram. Yeah. You tell me. <laughs> well said, man. I, I didn't think about the personal development aspect of it. I mean, you, you make a very good point there. Like how you craft arguments, how you yes. how you challenge your own beliefs, how you get new ideas from other people who you would otherwise n- not know or not get to know because they're based somewhere else. You get all of that for free right in the LinkedIn yeah. feed. Yeah, it's, it is. It's really cool. And uh, the business aspect of it, I mean, I'll just say with me, every dollar that I've made the past several years has can be traced back to LinkedIn. I just mm-hmm. don't, I just don't make. Of course, the podcast has a lot to do with it too. But uh, mm-hmm. the reason I have li- of podcast listeners is because LinkedIn. So mm-hmm. uh, you could trace it all back back to LinkedIn. I'm very grateful for it. I mean, there's a. There's a really great business purpose to posting on LinkedIn and building your credibility there. Now, 100%. what about the best time to post? Is there, it, I, I find for me that eight o'clock AM is, uh, is my time and, and that's okay. the way I roll. And mm-hmm. yeah. How did, how did you end up at that? Well, I don't know. I found that uh, when I was posting in the middle of the day, I just wasn't getting as much as much traction. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when I think I'd, I'd like to. I have you know people all over the world, but I would like to think I, I and I do think that so many of them are in Eastern Standard Time, mm-hmm. or at least on the. East Coast of the U.S. Uh, or, or, or Central United States. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, when people are waking up, I don't know. I think that uh, I think it's the best time for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah, and you know that, that it's is hard, uh, hard to explain. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. It, I don't, I don't really uh, know why. Yeah. I just, I just have gotten in the habit of doing it at that time. I guess. <laughs> yes. H- have you tried the complete opposite? Like. 8 a.m. If that's the best time, like what would be the worst time? Like 2 a.m. Maybe. I should try. Well, I would never step that way, but I should try like 9 p.m. You, maybe I'll try. I think that. you should. Uh, I think you should try and just flip it and see what happens. Because yes. you may be surprised, right? Yeah. Um. And and that's back to the data. Uh, I would say. And and you know, I'm trying to think about um, like who my audience is. So my education mm. taught me this, like customer centricity, human centered design, all of that. So I'm trying to think like, who am I trying to reach? And how does they, uh, how do they go about their day? What does a day in the life uh, of my audience look like? And I should say with 8 a.m., that could be just before coming into work or you just arrived at work. Um, so you're checking your social media. Do I have any notifications? And, you know, right. you open LinkedIn and you see the feed and there you are with a great post and people engage. And, and that's maybe the gut feeling you have around it that, okay, this is actually working. So you keep doing that. Uh, and, and, you know, that's great. Um, but I would always, you know, try to challenge myself saying, okay, this, this that I'm experiencing as a, uh, as a maximum, as a peak for me and my content, is that a local maximum or is it just a, uh, or could it be a, a, a potentially a way higher, uh, maximum? Like, could you reach new higher heights right. if you do something differently? So I would experiment around, around that. And, and, you know, I think of my audience and then I try to post when I imagine that 
they are on LinkedIn. And then I look in my data, see if I hit or miss, and then try to tweak and uh, experiment yeah. further. Andreas is a man of data and statistics. Verifiable. We got to be, man. There's so many opinions yeah. out there. Yeah. And, um, and that's great, of course. But, you know, adding data to the mix is always interesting. It is. Now, somebody, good friend of mine, he was like, Jordan, I think you're posting too much. I think you're putting your face out there too much. I, I think that the stimuli, so to say, become saturated. People are getting used to seeing you and maybe uh, maybe they start to tune you out. I think it'd be better if you posted once or twice per week uh, so as to be a little bit more of a so that it's a little bit more special, a little bit more valuable and not like a, a commodity that's mm -hmm. just always there and predictable. Now, this person has no experience posting content anywhere. <laughs> yeah. But what, what do you think about that? I, I get from a human behavior perspective what he's saying. Mm -hmm. And yeah. a, at least a little bit. But it just... I just would make less money if I if I didn't post it. <laughs> yes, yeah. So I would say I was I was curious about the person who asked this question in the first mm -hmm. place, right? Mm -hmm. Was it someone who posts every day and is super successful that you could look up to in this yeah. regard, or is it someone who doesn't get it? Uh, right, 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 yeah. right. And it sounds like it's uh, it's probably the latter. Yeah, and I would say that content is something that you can always create you create it out of nothing especially if you're right you just you know thumbs on the keyboard and then you got content right and so why would you be be like cheap around that why would you not push more content if you're able to do it right yeah and i would say you mentioned initially that you you get these 40 to 50 new followers a day yeah and that is likely because of your uh, posting frequency that you always have fresh content out there getting new people involved. And when someone else or someone new stumble upon you, they want fresh new content, uh, not only today, but tomorrow and the day after that. And that's how you build a following. So I would say you, you probably can't post too much unless you hurt your own distribution of your content, of course. So, uh, so no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't post less if I yeah. were you. And, uh, and, and I would say the, the answer to most people is probably post more um, or do more, uh, in general. Regarding the followers, Andreas, um, I do see that for my company pages, really weird phenomenon. I have two company pages that this mm -hmm. happened to not growth mindset university, but I have a Jordan Paris one and a, a one for a company called save proof. Mm -hmm. And it was weird because I like, I don't post with those pages. I don't really mention them in posts. But one day, the Jordan Paris company page went from like 50 followers or like 30 followers actually to like 600 and then 1300. And and you look and it's all, they're all, I mean, people, I mean, people from the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. It happened with Save Proof too, like 20 followers. And then all of a sudden, like it's at 1,200 right now. And none of them, they're all third degree connections, people that I've, I don't know, never heard of, probably aren't even connect, uh, or, or probably don't even follow me, or I, God only knows. Uh, I, have you seen weird behavior like that? And, and even on my personal profile, there are like mm -hmm. spam profiles that I feel like aren't even real, like that, that yeah. follow me. Yes, I don't care. Uh, so I've I've never heard about this uh, phenomena uh, regarding company pages that you just described. It sounds super weird, but I would say on the other hand, it all it takes for something like that to happen at the scale you described is you know a second degree connection uh, stumbles upon your content because someone else liked it. That person 
perhaps engages on your content, brings it to their network, which are then third degree to you. And, you know, that could be a bubble in the Middle East where a lot of people all of a sudden get to this content piece and all of them flock to your profile, your company page, and they just follow. So, you know, it could be a simple, simple explanation like that, but it could also, of course, be some bot network that targeted right. you saying, let's all follow uh, Jordan Paris because- Problem is they don't reason. engage. No, no, I know, I know, I know. Um, but uh, but that could be an explanation still. Yeah. Did you look into who these people are? Or I've did you just, never like, clicked any the of their of profiles. I just <laughs> okay. kind of see, just take a glance, scroll through. Yeah. I think I would look into it, man. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you got a niche. Maybe you got a niche. Maybe you're gonna do a live tour in uh, in the Middle East. Who knows? Yeah, man? yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it could be an opportunity in disguise. You never know. Yeah. I was at one point. I was the number one. Uh, I think as the number one education podcast in Nigeria, <laughs> not since the Middle I mean. East, but like, but no, no, it's no. been, it's been like tops in these, in these really like interesting, far away countries. So, yes. no, but that makes a lot of sense actually, because the access to education is, is, uh, you know, way worse than, than where you're based, where I, I'm based. So when people find something like your podcast, where you can get a lot of key insights and knowledge from, you know, great minds of the world, and you can get it for free, you can get it on your phone. Of course, people are gonna, you know, stick around and listen to this. And yeah. that's what I'm seeing. We see it as well with Shield, uh, specifically in India. There's a lot of Indian uh, people coming to Shield. And, you know, it's not because uh, they wanna see, you know, great numbers uh, from themselves. Uh, when I talk to them, it's simply because they have realized that putting out great content on LinkedIn nets them more opportunities for writing gigs or whatever it may be, uh, you know, digital marketing or mm. something that they do and can do from the, from their home, right? But they can reach an audience who are willing to pay and, and have money to pay, uh, for these kinds of services. So all of a sudden, LinkedIn becomes their way to business and their way to sort of break out of the life uh, that they have if they want to do, uh, you know, more things than what they're capable of locally. Yeah. Uh, and then they use us, of course, to, to experiment around the content and double down on what works and then, you know, take off from there. So it makes a lot of sense to me that if you enable people in a new way, um, then they're going to stick around and, and, and consume content. Yeah. This one's super controversial. And I have friends, man, that uh, I and I know people, a lot of people that have grown to hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of thousands of followers mm -hmm. with the help of pods. You know what pods are, right? Yes. Engagement groups. Absolutely. What do you please explain? I mean, I'm sure there's some people listening to this that don't know what pods are. Mm -hmm. Explain mm -hmm. very briefly that and and what your take on them is in regards to LinkedIn. Yes. So engagement parts, uh, what they are is basically this. You join a group of uh, like-minded people and you share, like this can be done manually automatically, um, but you share your post uh, once you've uh, published and then everyone else in the pod, they come and engage, right? So you get this, uh, you know, engagement every time you post. And that should, is the idea, uh, bring your post further in the network by giving the post this initial boost, right? So that's how it works. And we've seen over over the, the last couple of months, even years, that there've been various versions of these pods and the pod software that can automate this um, on behalf of you. Yeah. So you can uh, basically- Oh, uh, Lampod, I think stuff like that, right? Mm. Um, that basically handles all of that for you. You just put in the URL when you post it and then you get engagement out of the blue. So this reminds me of, uh, you know, decades ago uh, in, in like video games where you, you bought outsourcing services to get, you know, gold or virtual currencies or whatever it is because you didn't want to grind it yourself. And I see this is, a, this is sort of the same. Um, Posts are now being punished on LinkedIn if you use uh, automatic engagement parts. And just oh, to comment wow. on that, it's because of the dwell time. So a automated part will throw the like or the comment without actually spending time on the post. But if you're rewarded when people spend time on your post, 
this is gonna work in the opposite way. You're just gonna get the like, but no views, no further distribution from right. the like, because the, the like was automated and no one spent time on the post. And they pick up on that. And they pick up on that. So that wouldn't go so, for just automated engagement pods, but regular, like. Yeah, to some extent. So so here's uh, here's sort of the, the gray area, because for example, in Shield, we have our own mini pod. It's manual, it's on Slack. It's a channel on Slack called Shield Pod. Mm-hmm. So whenever either of us post, we just take the link and throw it in the channel. So the others see it that we posted. Uh, engagement is ma- is not mandatory. <laughs> I was just about to say it's mandatory. It's not. <laughs> so it's voluntary, right? So people can can basically click on it, check the post, engage if they want, right? So that's our use of, of the pod principle. Um, so if you do that, if you're in a group of uh, friends or marketeers or salespeople or founders, whoever it may be, and you share your links there because you write something that they may find interesting, you know, and then they go on in their own time, maybe after work or whatever it is, click your link, check the post and engage. I think that's fine, you know, because they engage if they want to engage uh, and you bring them a piece of content that supposedly is adding value. So that's a different way to use it. We see it in, uh, in corporate uh, environments as well, where they set up these corporate influencer programs and then they have maybe a hundred people. And whenever they post something, uh, these people, then they post internally this link to the post saying, I did a post about X. Um, and then people go in and do the exact same thing as I just described. And, you know, that's you know, bringing in some engagement. It's bringing in some traction to the post. It's starting conversations. So that's all good. Um, but yeah, parts, man, parts. It's crazy. <laughs> so what have I'm you getting- tried a pot? Yeah, so there's a podcaster pod that I don't run it, but it's like 14 mm-hmm. people. And so, yeah, it's a it's a relevant, cool one. So mm-hmm. what I'm getting from you is no automatic ones. Like, that's really bad. Uh, to- and that's totally understandable. But if, if it's a relevant one... Um, you know, to what, if the people in there are like care, might care about what you're posting and engagement's not required and, uh, like it can, it can be helpful and not, yes. and you won't be flagged. It's totally cool. Yes. That's okay. the way I Got see it. it. That's the way I see it. hundred percent. Um, I don't think that there are people that are tell- like so anti-pod, like, no, 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 no. It's cheating. It's unethical. It's not cool. It's, and then uh, they tag 20 people. Pod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but you know that's it. I think it's the the word part that has you know negative connotations because if you if you say like what I do in my part is I I tell my friends that I post it. That's what you did, right? Mm. So why why is that bad, right? Right, that's right, not right. Bad. And I think a corporate that's one a, is actually really smart. And you've actually, I mean, it's it's interesting to know that you have there's a shield one. Uh, You've posted on the power of your team members using LinkedIn, creating content on LinkedIn. How, Andreas, do you incentivize them to post there? Like, are you like, like, is that part of their pay? Is that I just I I I don't get it, and I'd like to grow into a program like that. Yes, implement something like that because it is. I mean, it's powerful. It's super powerful. So it's this whole space called earned media, where you actually earn the media value from your employees, fans, customers. It's people who you cannot tell what to do, uh, in not in this sense at least, um, but you would have to earn it, right? So the way we incentivize, and we've had a lot of conversations with all sorts of brands in different verticals, different regions of the world, how to incentivize employees to talk uh, positively on LinkedIn about the brand. So my take is always this. First of all, the individual employee is going to benefit, you know, maybe even more than the corporate brand. Right. So that's sort of the baseline. And I always try to convey that because if I can convince you that you're going to benefit and your employer is going to benefit as well, then why would you not do it, right? So I always start there saying, hey, you're gonna create opportunities for yourself 
in your role in the company, but also at large, right? You you may get new job offers. You may be able to compete for a promotion earlier because you know the market is is responding to you, and you all of a sudden become this thought leader, and you have a large following, and people engage on your content and all of that. It's going to give you leverage, right? Mm. As an individual, so I always try to convey that. And then, secondly, um, knowing that you're going to probably uh, do a better job in your role because of what you do on LinkedIn, that's going to make your life easier at work. It's going to give you more opportunities to, you know, sell, market, uh, hire, whatever it is, right? So there are sort of no ways you're going to lose uh, doing this. And and having a conversation around that is for the most part, inspiring people to, yes. to try and do it. And that's having what a, we're doing at Shield Having as well. a conversation, inspiring people to, to mm-hmm. do it, not not like offering extra pay. No, no, or, no. I mean, yeah, we don't I don't do think it. that's the right incentive for that at no. all. No, I, no, no. I think money, man, money is uh, messing people up. And, uh, and you know, as soon as you offer people more money for something, they do it for the money and not for the, for the real benefits. Um, and, you know, that's just creating some sort of weird dynamic i would say Mm. um so we are not paying people to post and we we never will um but it's on the other hand it's also like hey man if you don't want to post and you're part of shield that's okay but i would have a hard time understanding your rationale behind not posting when you work with us see how everyone benefits from the creative designer to the intern to to the ceo and you don't want to do it like what is the rational behind that i'd be happy to have that conversation and not in order to persuade you into doing something you don't want to do but maybe just maybe you're going to change your standpoint here um, and adopt a different mindset around things and and that's sort of my hope Uh uh-huh Andreas, this has been a lot of fun. Time has been flying by. I remember looking at the timer here at 35 minutes. It seemed like it was two seconds ago. I, I looked at it and it was at yes. 35 minutes. And I was like, even then I was like, wait, how did 35 minutes go by? And I feel like, I feel like we just started and now we're at like 50 some. So this is crazy. It's been a lot of fun. This has been a LinkedIn masterclass with Andreas Janssen shieldapp.ai you have to connect with andreas on linkedin his last name j-o-n-s-s-o-n gonna wrap up i've got a final question before the final question andreas it is Mm -hmm. if you had to compile two or three golden rules of linkedin and let's (laughs) inscribe them in etch them into a clay tablet Mm-hmm. What would they be? Oh man, that would probably be something like uh, connect with the people you're trying to reach. Yes. Like just do that regularly, and then post content daily. You can't go wrong with that. Mm. I mean, you're gonna increase your network, and you're gonna post relevant content for the people you increase your network with. Things are gonna start happening yeah. if you do that. I, 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 I'm. I can't believe we didn't talk about it, but I'm so glad you just mentioned it. That connect with uh, i connect with my avatar like my my customer avatars my listener avatars i don't send connection requests anymore but i used to back like mm-hmm. a year two years ago um and i i connected with everyone who was a forbes contributor i typed forbes forbes contributor in the search i typed in tedx organizer tedx curator in the search uh, mm-hmm. I typed in entrepreneur contributor and what happened? Well, I got featured in entrepreneur. I got featured in, I got a whole article written about me in Forbes and I got a Ted talk. Uh, yes. like all these opportunities have come from his Andreas's first golden rule there of connecting with the people that, uh, how did you describe it? Connect with the people that, I mean, who are relevant to you and who you can be relevant to. I mean, it's a it's a two way street, yes. right? You had something to add. You wanted to speak your mind. Yes. You needed a platform, could be TEDx or whatever. Yeah. So you reached out to these people who are looking for great speakers to fill in their spaces on the yeah. stage, right? I, I, so it's a win win. And I think your proactive mindset is actually what kicked everything off and is keeping it going. So yeah, uh, keep I, doing I mean, that. Not to just keep going on it, but. Last thing, I mean, uh, podcasters, I just sent connection requests to all podcasters. Obviously, I serve podcasters with my business, mm-hmm. Trend Out Media, and I mm-hmm. want to be on podcasts. Not yes. every podcast, but I want to be on podcasts. 
I've been on over 70 podcasts in the past year and a half because I've just been connected with these people for two years. Yes. And my business is going great. So I, I can't even reinforce enough the, the first golden rule that Andreas just laid out here. But Andreas, like I said, been a lot of fun. My final question is if you could teach a course at a university, course of your creation or otherwise, what would it be? Would it be this LinkedIn masterclass that we just did oh, or no. what? No, no, because before LinkedIn, right, LinkedIn can come and go. And, and, you know, that's a discussion in and of itself. But I would say the mindset and the principles behind, you know, entrepreneurship, growth, and how you basically can approach life. It would more be a course like that, a philosophical one where you challenge beliefs, uh, start asking the right questions, apply a beginner's mindset and start doing things instead of just reacting. Um, that would be uh, that would be my go to. Andreas Janssen, you're the man. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jordan. We've reached the end of this episode of Growth Mindset University. For more keys to success and methods to inspire your entrepreneurial spirit, head to jordanparis.com course and enroll in our free course to elevate your podcast to the next level. Be sure to pass the show along to someone you know who will benefit from the lessons learned in each episode and we'll catch you and them on the next episode of Growth Mindset University.